Welcome to Walking with God, Pat Berry and Jeff Quinto's podcast, where Pat and Jeff talk about their walk with Christ. My name is Jeff Quinto. And I'm Pat Berry. Today, we're talking about the infallibility of the Bible and taking the Bible literally. So we're going to cover some questions that I know we have heard in the past, and perhaps you've even heard in the past, perhaps you've even thought about them. So tell you what, let's jump right in. So Jeff, is the Bible infallible? Okay, well, let's talk about infallible. And infallible is defined as incapable of being wrong. And so let's talk about the Bible a little bit, how it was formed, where it came from. And Paul uses a word one time in the New Testament. Actually, he invented this word because it doesn't appear any place except in Second Timothy. And here's the word. In Greek, of course, we know that the New Testament was in Greek. And the word is theonistros. Now, theonistros is a two-part word, a combination word. Theo, as in theology, means God. And nistros, as in pneumonia or pneumatic, means breathed or air or blow. And so if we look at this word, theonistros, used one time in the New Testament, we're going to see that what it really means is God breathed. God breathed. And so let's see what Paul says about this word, God breathed, that he invented for this purpose. And he invented it and used it in 2 Timothy 3.16. And he said, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All scripture is breathed out by God. That's what I believe. Now, that's from the English Standard Version and my personal translation, but other translations would say all Scripture is inspired by God. And I think that's what a lot of people look at the Bible. They say, well, you know, God inspired people to write these things. And I actually believe that it's breathed out by God, that he more than inspired them, that he caused them to write it in the way in which they wrote it. So as we look at the Bible, I believe that it is breathed out by God. But the trouble is that it was breathed out by God and it was breathed out to a specific people. So the original hearers of the Bible, now let's start with that. The original people who heard the Bible, who heard it said, most of them couldn't read, so they heard it. So the Bible was written and it was heard. It was told, it was heard by a specific historical people who had a unique culture, location, and way of understanding the world around them. Ancient Hebrews, right? Sure, sure. All the books of the Bible, actually, with the exception of possibly two books, were written by Hebrews. Okay. The exceptions are Luke. He was certainly a Christian. He may have been a Hebrew. He may have been a Greek. He had parents. One was a Greek and one was a Hebrew. So it's hard to know what to call Luke. But having said that, we're looking at the Bible was written by Hebrews to Hebrews. So it was written in a way that they would have understood it. Now, you and I, Pat, you know what? We're modern people, aren't we? Yes, we are. We are proud of it. We are actually Greek thinkers. To describe us properly, we have to say we're Greek thinkers. Now, here's the thing. We are Greek thinkers. That means we think about things in a certain way. Now, let me tell you about that certain way. We would call that Western thought, okay? Okay. Western thought. And now we have Eastern or Oriental thought. The Bible was written to oriental thinkers to eastern thinkers and they think differently than we do now let's start with kind of describing the difference between greek and hebrew thinking and so we start with this western thought is interested in the part that's what we think about right when we look at something we look at the parts of something here is this part and that part and this part whereas oriental thinkers think of the whole 
we think of the individual, right? Yes. We care about ourselves. Yes. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. Absolutely. Yes, we do. And we're proud of it. However, Eastern thinkers are interested in the community. The Hebrew thinkers would be interested in the community. We're interested in the individual. The Hebrew thinkers are interested in the community. We are detail focused. We want to know how one, two, three, four, five things, how they come together. Hebrews are then message focused. And so there we have that. It's a difference in looking at things. We look at things and look at the detail. Hebrews look at things and look at what is the message that they're trying to bring. And so we look at how. Hebrews look at why. We are about separateness. Hebrews are about connectedness. We are scientific thinkers and we're proud of it, aren't we? Absolutely. They are poetic thinkers, also in their own way proud of it. We are theoretical in nature. They are experiential in nature. So what do we have here? We have the idea when we read the Bible and we read about taking any really important thing, particularly in the Old Testament that we look at, and we say, okay, well, you know, Jonah was three days in the belly of a whale. And you and I think, the first thing we think is, three days in the belly of a whale, actually it was a great fish, in the belly of a great fish, what does that mean? And we're, we're thinking, how did he breathe? How did he live? Right. How did, he, how did that happen? Right. And a Hebrew thinker would look at it and instead look at this story and think, what is God trying to teach us from this? What should we learn from this? And that's the way I think the Bible was really written. It was written to these original people. And the original people in many ways were more clever than we are. We're trying to figure out how Jonah was lived in the whale, and they're trying to figure out what is God trying to teach us that'll help us in our lives. And so while we're trying to figure out how he lived for three days and missing the whole point, the Hebrew thinker instead is, what is God trying to teach us? So that's the important thing. You know, another thing that, that we come on this basic idea is that many people think that God created the earth in seven 24-hour days because Genesis 1 tells us that. Yep. Now, interestingly, although we're arguing about how is it possible the world was, was built in seven 24-hour days, this is a relatively new thing. In the past, nobody worried about that. This is only in the last couple hundred years that anybody's pulled this and said, you know what, how did he do it in seven 24-hour days? And you see, because it was written to an ancient Hebrew people who didn't care about that. They didn't care how God did it. The important thing is the first five words of the Bible. The first five words are, in the beginning, God created. The first five words. That's what they care about. We're figuring out, we're trying to find out how did God do it? Well, maybe the way God did it is so complex that we're not able now to figure it out. But it stops us because we want to understand everything and we overlook the message of the Bible. Absolutely. And that doesn't go well with modern thinkers saying, well, we can't figure this out. But it's a much better way to read the Bible the way that you're, you're talking about. Otherwise, you get caught up in the minutia of things. Absolutely. You get stalled, right? Absolutely. And, and you and I have talked about this. So did the question is, did God create the earth in seven 24-hour days? I don't know. I know that God created it. That's the most important thing, right? Right. Uh, did, uh, how did they fit all the animals in the ark, right? right? How did he fit all the animals? I don't know. I don't know. Was there an apple? <laughs> I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care whether it was an apple or some other kind of fruit or whether it was just metaphorical because it's the lesson that we need to learn. The lesson that we need to learn will change our lives. What, however God created heavens and earth, we won't find out this side of glory. Right. 
but he created it. That's the important thing. That's the thing to take away from this. And we get so wrapped up in this minutia, arguing about these things that are not worth arguing about. And that interestingly, the, these ancient Hebrews who were not nearly as educated, not nearly as modern, not nearly as sophisticated as we are, they didn't question it a bit. They were looking at God and looking at God for the message. They're message-oriented, and we're detail-oriented. We miss the point. We miss the forest for all of these trees. Great lesson in there. I was going to ask you, should we take the Bible literally? Mm -hmm. um, which I, I, st I still can. You can expand on that, but I, I think you're, you're given the, the answer. I heard the answer that was in there, which is some of this stuff we don't know. Like your examples were great. The ark, the apple. I had another one parting the Red Sea. How did that, how did he do that? That's one I always wondered about. How did he do that? And it's, it doesn't matter. It happened. The Bible says it happened. You just take it on faith and you take the message out of there. And I think, like I said, it's a much better way to read the Bible. Absolutely. And, and another question is, okay, say parting the Red Sea. Could God have figured out how to part the Red Sea? Absolutely. Yeah, I don't have any problem thinking that he couldn't. Did he or not? I don't know. What are we to learn from that? And someday in glory, we'll find out exactly right. how it all worked. But you know what? I would guess nobody's going to care. We're going to think we're going to go up to heaven and we're going to ask everybody, you know, what about this and what about that? They're going to go, huh? What? <laughs> you know, why do you care? Why do you care? Because the most important thing is these first five words of the Bible, in the beginning, God created. We have to start with that. Everything was created by God. We were created by God. God looked at his creation and, and saw that it was good. He looked at us. We were created in his image. We are image bearers of the living God. That's what's important. Absolutely. How do you answer people when they say, well, you know, it's a book written by man? Because it was, I mean, man wrote down the words. Yeah, they wrote down the words. I believe it's God breathed. I, I believe that goes back to what I said earlier, that, okay. it's, that it's breathed out by God, that these, are, these words are purposeful. You know, we, we look at this, just because we don't understand it does not mean it is not understandable. It does not mean it is incoherent because we don't understand it. It just means that we don't understand it. Yeah, a beautiful book in the Bible is one of the most complex of all. It's Leviticus. And when you start to read Leviticus as a new Christian thing, well, you know, it's... It's the third book in the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. You kind of, kind of, that Genesis is an interesting story about these people, and Exodus is about the Exodus. It's got a lot of cool stuff in it. And, and then, and then, <laughs> da, 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 we come to Leviticus, and you read all of these crazy things, and you think, what is this about? And if you look at Leviticus, it is remarkably well organized. It centers on atonement and on either side of atonement, it, it radiates away from it. So if you look at the way it's organized, you go, wow, how could an ancient person have designed this in such a, a perfect and important way? And the reality is, I believe that it was breathed out by God. And back to what I said a moment ago, just because I don't understand it completely doesn't mean it isn't understandable. It just means that I don't understand it. And I go back to what I said a minute ago. The Bible was written to an ancient Hebrew people, a people who had, who had a specific historical location where they lived. They first heard it. They were specifically historical people. They had a unique culture, location, and way of understanding. And we lack that understanding. We don't understand their what their location meant, the, the location where they were, their culture. We don't understand it fully, but we can. And if we, if we look at the Bible from listening from their ears, hearing, hearing what they might have heard, trying to understand the way it was said to them, we'll go a long way toward understanding the lessons that God is teaching us for a better world.
I would absolutely agree with that. You know, I can't tell you how many times, I'm sure you've experienced this also, where you're reading the Bible and it's something that you've read multiple times in the past and maybe just gone over it time after time after time and all of a sudden it pops out and, and you think, oh, I, like I've never seen that, literally. I've never seen that before. I've never read that before. And you're looking and you're thinking, of course I've read that before. I've read that multiple times before, but it's never popped out of me the way it just did right there, which I think goes to what you were saying about being breathed out by God, because that's part of it, right? Accepting on faith that God is going to show you these things on your journey. Absolutely. And I, just today I had somebody tell me about how they felt like this, this process of, of Christianity, this process of being a Christian and learning more and more over time, how they could see how that worked. They could see this was a journey, that it's not a conclusion. The gentleman who said this is a doctor and he's, he's obviously well-skilled and remarkably well-educated. And, and he thought, as I did actually, that the Bible was something that you learned and you could learn it and you'd be like, I got it. And it's right. not that at all, because no. it's more complicated than that. And we're used to things that are sort of two-dimensional, and the way of the Bible is three-dimensional, because it has this ability, as you just said, where you go back to it, and there's something for you, something you didn't notice, something you didn't see before. Yeah, and I think that's actually helpful, because as uh, you read the Bible and you're on a journey, understand that it is a journey. I know it's helpful for me. Because it's long. I mean, it, it's long, right? <laughs> and it, you're, you just keep going and going. And you, most books you read, you get it. And maybe you read it a second time if you, if you really enjoy it. But you're kind of, and you get maybe a little more out of it. But with the Bible, it just keeps, you just keep unlocking things and different things all the time. You know, there's people that devote their, literally, their entire lives of studying the Bible. And they still, they still don't get it all. Yeah, because there's so much to be gotten. There's so much to be learned from the Bible. And you have to come to it with this open mind and this open idea. And this idea that was really not written for us, but we can access it. If we understand how it was written and who it was written to and believe this idea that it was breathed out by God, then what we can do is, is we'll be ready for it and we'll be ready for, for what it's going to teach us. And you know, when you read the Bible, you don't read the Bible like it's the newspaper or something. You read it prayerfully. You read it prayerfully. Allow the, allow the Holy Spirit to come upon you and help you to understand what it is. And who you know, be open to it and prayerfully read the Bible and read the same thing over again and, and read it over again and try to put yourself in it. Now, there's a, a, a great thing that maybe we'll do a whole podcast about this idea, but imaginative prayer where what you do is you read the Bible prayerfully and you place yourself within the story. So as you read the Bible, whatever the story is, you, you wonder how would it be with you in that story? In other words, how would it be? So Jesus is walking down the Mount of Olives on Palm Sunday, and people are, are waving palm branches, and they're putting their cloaks out in front of him. What would it be like if you were there? How would it be if you were there? What would you do? Would you, would you take off your coat and let Jesus ride over your coat in this donkey? Would you just be in the background? Would you be in the foreground? You know, place yourself in it. There's just so much you can do with this. It's so exciting. I'm getting goosebumps telling this little story. <laughs> I've never heard of this before, but I like it. Maybe we should do, uh, should do a future podcast podcast on this.
But it is, the idea is that the Bible isn't, isn't meant to be read like a novel. It isn't meant to be read like a newspaper. It's meant to be studied and prayerfully read. And so it's meant to be a different thing. So part of being a different thing is place yourself in this. When you read this, you know, what you're looking at, how would I be if I was in this story? What is God trying to teach us in this? Because everything is for a purpose. So there aren't just random stories that are, that are there that have no purpose. Everything has the purpose. Maybe at this time we don't understand the specific purpose of a given story, but bear in mind that there is a purpose for it. And perhaps if we don't understand it today, it'll be meaningful to us in the future. But it is all by design. It's all breathed out by God. And as the totality of that quote goes, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And the, the, the 17th verse, this is now 2 Timothy three seventeen. now I'm reading, the man or woman of God may be complete equipped for every good purpose, so that the man or woman of God may be complete. That's really what this is meant to do. This mm-hmm. is meant to help complete us. So we could say that when people are saying, oh, there's errors in the Bible, you know, that sort of thing, they, there aren't actually errors. It's basically not understanding the word. And maybe piggybacking on this, do you think all this serves as, as a distraction from, from the real issue? There you go. How about that one? softball that's the world's easiest that's what it is it's a distraction all this argument about this minutiae is just a distraction the most important thing is that the bible is god's story it's the story of of god's gracious action throughout history to bring his creation back to him and so when we argue about these little silly things we miss the point we completely miss the point and unfortunately we cause other people to miss the point in other words people that stand up and say well you know i don't believe this thing because you know jonah couldn't stay in the belly of a whale for three days and that just makes the whole thing silly is in a way it's not just a distraction in a way it's evil because it keeps people away from god because it shows them well you know what i don't know how he stayed there either and they miss the whole point because it's meant to be a lesson and that's what this is meant to be. I'm, I'm so happy that we talked about this. I'm happy that we went through this today. And we'll have another podcast about the imaginative prayer because I'd love to be talking about that it. That would be fun. Let's do that. Yeah, let's do that. Um, in the meantime, though, you know, we end our podcast with this quote from C.S. Lewis, which we believe to be tremendously important. And that is, Christianity of false is of no importance. And if true is of infinite importance, the only thing it cannot be is moderately important. And I can speak fully for Pat as well as myself. We believe, both Pat and I, that it is in fact true, and therefore it is of infinite importance. And we are all in for this. We are all in for this. This is our life. And we're happy to share that through this podcast. Happy to have you here listening. I hope it's been valuable for you. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, will you come over all of us listening today? Will you come over us knowing that you care so much about us that you breathed out this book? of instructions, instruction manual for life. Lord, an instruction manual for life in a, in a way that, that is accessible to us if we'll just open our minds and open our hearts at the same time and prayerfully look. Lord, will you watch over us as we do this? Will you bring us closer to you through the Bible? In Jesus' holy and mighty, mighty name, amen. Amen.